Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to A Walk Down Memory Lane. I'm your host, Wayne Soares. Our show today is brought to you by our friends at Kamali Electric of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. My guest today, not only a good friend, but a member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame, one of the finest collegiate coaches ever in the history of collegiate basketball and the current, he's a current CBS basketball analyst and it's a great pleasure to welcome to the show, as I mentioned, good friend, Coach Pete Gillen. Coach, how are we doing this morning? Doing great, Wayne. Really nice to be with you this morning. Thank you so much, and really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time right now. Uh, how are things? Uh, you've got a, a summer home on uh, on Cape Cod, right? We have a home here in Falmouth, and uh, we we got it from our, our my wife's parents. We bought it for them about twelve years ago, and fixing it up. Small place, but we love being up here, and it's a a great community, as you know. I uh, lived in Falmouth for a long time. It's it's a wonderful place. We're, we're thrilled to be up here. We spend about three or four months a year here, and it's it's tremendous. Now, you were born in Brooklyn, New York. You went to college at Fairfield University. I don't think people realize you were a you were a two-sport athlete there. You played guard on the on the hoop team, and you also played. You were an infielder for the basketball uh, for the baseball team, correct? Right, Wayne. I was probably a better baseball player. You know, I started second base. For three years, uh, at that, that time, freshmen could not play varsity uh, sports <clears throat> when I was in college, and uh, so I was three years there, the second baseman, and I, I was on the basketball team. I was a walk-on at Fairfield University, and luckily, my last two years, I was fortunate to get a full scholarship. So uh, it, it was a great place, Fairfield University, and it has grown, and it, it's a wonderful university in Southern Connecticut. Now, I want to point out too that you graduated. Uh, you have a bachelor's degree in literature. Right. Where, where, where did that come from? Uh, I was experimental admissions, Wayne. You know what I mean? They weren't sure to let me in, but I, I studied uh, English, uh, and I just uh, I love plays. I love the theater, <clears throat> and uh, I, I taught English uh, for, in high school uh, and uh, grade school for uh, for five years and one year in high school. So uh, I love that. I just always loved English and plays and literature. And, uh, I talk a little funny, but I, I enjoy teaching the language. <laughs> What what are a couple of your uh, if your of your favorite plays of all time? If you can share that with us, yeah, uh, I, yeah Les Miserables is a, mm. a great play. Uh, mm. a, fr- a friend of mine thought it was a, a town in South America. No, I said it's a play <laughs> on Broadway. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that. The King and I. I saw that many years oh, ago. Oh, fabulous play! Uh, yeah, Andy Get Your Gun. You know, musicals. Sure, Andy Get Your Gun was a great play. Bernadette Peters. So yeah, uh, you know. Uh, I see a lot of them, um, you know, a lot of different things. The Merchant of Venice, I saw that uh, on Broadway. That was terrific. Um, you know, so I just like different different plays and, uh, you know, a lot of <clears throat> some Shakespeare and plays, but some musicals. And it's just a way to kind of forget about life for a while and, and enjoy the talent of these, you know, people that are putting on the plays. Yeah, you know, you mentioned The King and I, and that was always one of my favorites with Yul Brenner, um, the, the movie. And uh, yep. Deborah Carr, I believe. Yeah, and yep. uh, no, that was, was a great play. Fabulous, 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 fabulous. Okay, you get into collegiate coaching. The seventy-five, seventy-six. You go out to Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors. Okay, what was? What, what, and you also uh, one of the assistants on that team, I believe, was Rick Pitino. Correct. And and you go out. Okay, you, this is here. You are. You're 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 a guy that comes from you know uh, Brooklyn. And all of a sudden, boom! How'd you get the How'd you get the job in Hawaii? Good question, Wayne. I worked at this five-star basketball camp that you're familiar with mm-hmm. uh, uh, when I was a high school coach, and a guy named Howie Garfinkel, 
who is uh, a legend, uh, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, he was. He and uh, a guy named Will Klein were the co-founders of the Five Star Basketball Camp. It's probably one of the greatest instructional camps ever. I mean, there's a teaching, you know, the stations, the fundamentals of the game, and they, they had players like Moses Malone there, Chris Paul, mm. uh, you know, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, who's who? Michael Jordan. Was Michael Jordan. There. Right. He was discovered there. You know, uh, they had, you know, unbelievable talent. Alonzo Mourning, Patrick Ewing. You can go on and on. You know, great players, uh, you know, that, that played there. And, and uh, Michael was discovered there. When Michael Jordan came there to the camp, I yeah, heard, a, heard a little bit about it, but not much, you know. And, and they had to fudge his credentials. It was such a good camp. You had to have good credentials to get in. And his coach had to fudge his credentials. He came there and exploded, became the top player in the country, and the rest is history. And he, mm. he said publicly that, hey, you know, if it wasn't a five-star camp, I might have been not been the person I was. So, And Stephon Curry was there. You know what I mean? So it's been who's who. So um, I, I went there, you know, and I, I met Rick Pitino and, and – and Howard Garfield helped me get to the University of Hawaii. Rick Pitino was there a year before me. He was there two years. I was there one, but he recommended me, and we were out there for a year. It was, I didn't know on the West Coast whether Washington State or Oregon was on top of each other. I didn't know which one was, which one was <laughs> as they said, experimental admissions, Wayne, so I was a little slow. So going to Hawaii, going from Brooklyn, New York, to Hawaii was a, a, a culture shock. But I, I, was, I taught for six years. I loved teaching, but I you know, I said, hey, let me see what I can do in college basketball and uh, – you know, it was a gamble, but you got to take chances in life. And I was glad I did. Now, from from there, you move on to VMI, and from VMI, you become an assistant at Villanova, the Wildcats, with Roly Massimino. Right. What was that experience like? Uh, I I know you you think very highly of him. I know when he he passed away, uh, you, you went to his funeral. You guys enjoyed a very 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 special relationship. What what was that Roly Massimino experience like as a as a young assistant? It was a great experience. He taught me more basketball, Wayne, in two years than I learned my whole life, before with him or after. He was an unbelievable coach, unbelievable teacher. And the funny thing, I, he saw me at the five-star basketball camp during the summer while he was looking at players, you know, and, and he had an opening, so he invited me in for an interview. And I talked to him. I says, well, I think I can help you recruit. I think I can, you know, I know people in New York City, the coaches there in Brooklyn and New York. And I worked at the camp, some great players. And he was, he's bored. He's joining. I said, you know, my wife's 100% Italian and her dad was born in Italy. He says, you're in, you're in. in." (laughs) He perked right up. (laughs) That helped. He he was a great coach. And uh, uh, sadly passed away a couple of years ago. But a wonderful coach. uh, And he taught me a lot. And I was very fortunate to be there. uh, for two years at Villanova. We're, we're talking with uh, Pete Gillen, uh, former uh, collegiate coach and uh, current CBS College basketball analyst. And uh, one of the things that I think you and I shared, uh, you, you tell stories about uh, about Roley and Coach Masmiano and, and uh, big wins where, where you'd go out and it would be like a Roman feast. Touch Touch on a couple of those things a little bit. Well, uh, Wayne, well, we used to go a big win. You know, he put his heart and soul, but he went to an Italian athletic club a lot of times after a big victory. Mm. And, you know, all his buddies are there, and they're drinking Zambuca, and they're drinking, you know, uh, Straga, and all sorts of different, you know, you know, celebrating. It's 1, one thirty in the morning. So, you know, and you know, I say, Broly, I got to go. My wife's with me. You know, uh, we love it. We can celebrate it, but I got to go home. Ah, give me a growl. So I go home, sleep, and 
about 3.30, two hours later, the phone rings. I'm asleep. I'm like, you know, oh, my God, something happened. Something, something. He goes, yeah. So I, I know that was Roly. But he goes, yeah, that's his greeting. He says, what are you doing? He says, uh, I say, Roly, uh, I'm sleeping. What do you think I'm doing? He says, hey, if you get lucky, call me. <laughs> Roly, I'm not going to get lucky at 3.30 in the morning. I'm certainly not going to call you. So, uh, uh, a little bit of a, you know, uh, out there a little bit. But he was great, uh, a great teacher. And, uh he was a lot of fun. He worked very hard, but he, he was a, a you know, demanding coach. All coaches, successful people are demanding when, mm. you know what I mean? They, they, they push things and, uh, uh, but he was a, a great coach and, uh, sorry, you know, he, I think he should be in the nation's hall of fame, you know, mm. bringing Villanova to the national championship, as you know, in 1985. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, he had, uh, you know, some great coaches, Mike Fratello, you know, it was a guy who was a head coach in Atlanta Hawks and, Mm. Uh, you know, he, he was his assistant and he had, you know, a lot of, a lot of good people. Jay Wright, you know, led Villanova to two national titles recently, mm. uh, you know, in the you know, last 10 years. So, uh, he's had some great people that, uh, with him and, uh, you know, hopefully one day he'll get in the Naismith Hall of Fame, even though it's, it's, it's difficult to get in there cause uh, you know, who's who, but, uh, I think he deserves to be in there. Well, I, as a, as a young, uh, high school player, um, I attended a, a camp at Mass Maritime Academy, which is down in Buzzers Bay, as you well know. And he came; he was one of our guest speakers, and he was a, he, he was he was fabulous in a clinic. He was a, a tremendous speaker, yep. and he had everybody. I can, all I can remember is everybody in in awe of you know you get four hundred kids in a room and kids are talking and stuff like that. But he just commanded everybody's attention. What were what were some of his keys as far as being successful with players, motivating his players? And you said he was demanding. A lot of times, uh, you know, young kids they they turn off with the with the the real uh, you know military style of, of of discipline and coaching. What was what were some of the what were some of his keys, coach? Well, it was a different time, as you know, way in different era now, you know, way back, you know, <clears throat> 1978, 79, when I worked for him, you know, mm. 40 years ago, you know, and then he won the title in 85, which, uh, you know, 35 years ago. But he was consistent. You know what I mean? He, he was always consistent. He, 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 you know, he let the players know they loved him. Mm. used to have him over, you know, to his house a mm. couple of times a year, which you're allowed to do, not every weekend. But, you know, three or four times a year, they have it catered. His wife would make hamburgers or macaroni, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, would call their parents once a month and, you know, or their guardians, you know, just talk, touch base with them. So when somebody, you know, if they know that you love them, you care about them, you know what I mean? Then people go the extra mile and uh, the players all knew that he cared about them, that he really loved them, you know, and he's pushing them for their own good to be the best that they could be. So uh, they responded well, you know, they played very hard because, they know Rowley was always in their corner. There's a family emergency. So take a home. Don't worry about it. Take as much time you need. You know what I mean? We have emergency mm-hmm. fund, which you're allowed to do if something happened. You know, they get a player, a bus ride home or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when, when somebody knows you care about them, that, that's that's the big thing. And our players all knew that Rowley really uh, cared about them as people. From Villanova, you go from the Wildcats to the Fighting Irish. You become an assistant under Digger Phelps. Tell us how, how that happened. Well, uh, Digger knew me also, once again, from the five-star camp. He saw me working there. And at Villanova, we played Notre Dame every year, Wayne. You know, we played them once year in Philly, one year next year uh, out in South Bend, Indiana. So he knew me. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, he called me up one day. And he says, hey, Pete, uh, 
how'd you like to be assistant in Notre Dame? So I didn't even have an interview. He just called me off. I said, well, hey, I'm flattered. I'm honored. Uh, you know, very, very, very interested. I'd like to at least come out and see. I didn't want him to hire me. Then all of a sudden, you know, he's in politics or he's, you know, mm. and, and I'm, I'm mushed. I'm there swimming a backstroke, you know, in the Hudson River. So <laughs> I, I went out for an interview and we talked and everything. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I was there uh, from 80 to 85, five years with Digger, who was another brilliant coach. You know, I mean, mm. different than Roley. Roley was, you know, different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Digger was like the chairman of the board, you know, of AT&T, you know, some big company. You know, mm. uh, But both great coaches, uh, both did things differently. But uh, Digger was an unbelievable game coach. He could really – do a great job, you know, coaching games. And uh, he, he was, uh, you know, given three days to repair. As you know, he beat UCLA with that 88-game winning streak with Bill Walton, you know, uh, many years ago uh, in, at Notre Dame. And he beat Marquette. Al McGuire had a big winning streak at Marquette, 50-game home winning streak. He beat them. So he beat Virginia when they were undefeated one year. I was on a staff. They were like 26-0 and with Ralph Sampson, the big seven-footer. Hmm. Uh, and we beat them up in Chicago. So – uh, he was a great coach, and uh, he, he was great to me. You know, he was he was a salesman. Remember, he used to have that uh, carnation. You know, oh, yeah, game. yeah, he used to, sure. You know, he was a showman. And some people, you know, rubbed the wrong way, but he, he helped, you know, sell college basketball. You know, games weren't on seven days a week as, there, as now. You know, it was like maybe on Saturday or Sunday. It was usually UCLA a lot of times, you know, uh, and Notre Dame or Notre Dame in Michigan. You know, Notre Dame was on an awful lot then, and so was UCLA. So, he was one of the big, you know, salesmen to help get college basketball going, you know, uh, in the late 70s and 80s. And I would think that, you know, any any head coaching position at a, at a Division One level, you have a lot of pressure. I, I would think that at a, a, an institution like Notre Dame, it, it's got to be greater than, than any other ones. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a lot of pressure. I'll tell you one brief story, oh, and if I may. Uh, my first year at Notre Dame, I come in there. He says, all right, Gillen. I was playing Indiana at Indiana. It's your scout, and don't screw it up. I go, oh, my God, here we go. Bobby Knight, right? Bobby Knight, you know, greatest coach alive, dead, or yet to be born. We better beat them. All right, here we go. So I was precious. So I went to see Notre Dame at an exhibition game early in the season. I saw them at an inter-squad scrimmage with one of the high schools around the state of Indiana. They used to do that. You know, so we're playing them early in December. So Diggs says, all right, we're going to – uh, have a meeting at Notre Dame. So the whole staff come in. You know, this was on a Monday. The game was on Saturday. It was at uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, at, at uh, Indiana. They had a home team. So first question he asked, I got a stack. I said, all right, I got you. I got everything. Forget about it. I'm going <laughs> to nail you to the wall. So he says, first question, all right, we're playing in Indiana. It's their choice of basketball. What type of basketball did they use in Indiana? So I said, you know, got to I says, all right. Yeah, I think it's round. It's, you know, it's got seams. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice. It bounces. <laughs> trying to be a little bit of funny, a little bit of wise. He looked at me. He says, I said, what type of bat? He said to me, is it a Voight? Is it a McGregor? Is it a Spalding? Is it a Mikasa? He named like five things. Like that. Wow. I, says, I don't know. He says, it's their game, right? They have the choice of ball. I want to practice with that ball that they use at Indiana home games. Uh-huh. Right, three or four days. So some players don't care, Wayne, but some guys are squirrely. They like a certain ball. You know, it's sure. a little different leather. It's, it's same weight, same circumference, yeah. but it's different. Different feel. Some, I mean, yeah, feel different feel. So 
he ripped my he he says listen high school harry he says you know he ripped out every organ i had my esophagus my lungs my my kidneys my gallbladder you know and he says he says he says just to me pete the little things are the big things the little things in life are the big things so every time i see a game wayne I have no idea the offensive either team or the defensive either team. I know what type of basketball. <laughs> That's a great But story. then he said, let's go to lunch. I said, Digga, I don't have a stomach. I don't have a cold <laughs> bladder. I, don't have a, I can't go to lunch. You ripped every internal organ I got out. But he taught me a lesson. You know, little things in life, whether it's somebody's name or maybe a friend, somebody's birthday, yeah. right, or an anniversary, right, or, you know, or a, a big thing. It's important to remember little things, I think, in life. And so I, I learned that from Digger. It was wow. a great coach. That's a that's a great that's a great 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 story. Um, so you get you leave Notre Dame. You get your first head coaching job at Xavier, the Musketeers. You go on right. to have a a simply a phenomenal phenomenal career there. Seven twenty win seasons, seven NCAA appearances. What were some of the keys to your success when you got to Xavier? Good question again, Wayne. Well, you know, when I, I looked at a couple of jobs, <clears throat> a place, I won't mention the schools, but I, I want to go to a place where they had at least some talent there. You know, there's a chance. And, and Xavier had the whole starting team back, you know, which was nice. So I was fortunate to go there, you know, and, and uh, lucky to get the job. You know, so I was going to go to somebody else. I won't mention his name, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go to somebody else. But I went in there and, and the interview went well. And a couple of people on the board pushed for me and coming from Notre Dame. Of course, a national school was was a, was a big plus. So I was fortunate to get it, and they had a, a a full you know team back. You know, the last the year before they were like 16, 11, but a lot of everybody was back starting five. So, um, and we had a great year. We we're twenty five and five, and won the regular season championship. And the, it was called the Midwest and Collegiate Conference, which was a Division one, a good you know mid major school. Yeah, you know, good mid major. It wasn't a good you know, good good AC, conference. Yeah, good solid conference. They mm-hmm. had teams like Butler. Who was very good now, you know, it was in it. Uh, Marquette was in it for a number of years. Dayton, you know, good solid teams that were in it. University of Detroit and University of St. Louis. So it was a good solid league. You know, it wasn't ACC or Big Ten or Big East, but it, it was a good league. And since you know, Xavier is a great location in Cincinnati, all right, which is, you know, right near, you know, Indianapolis, which is a big basketball hotbed in Indiana. You know, Ohio is a gigantic state. So it had a lot of, you know, chances. You know, it was a great location where there's players all around you, you know what I mean? And coming from New York City, I was able to recruit some young men from New York City area, you know what I mean? That, that was, it was away, but not too far away. And, um, and, and we, you know, we had some, we had great, you know, we had great assistants, Skip Prosser. I remember you know the name, who, sure. who sadly passed away yes. 13 years ago, which is mm-hmm. hard to believe. 13 years ago, he was the head coach at Wake Forest, head coach at Xavier for a while, head coach at Loyola Baltimore. He was there, and Dino Gordio, who's also head coach at Wake Forest for a while, head coach at West Point, West Point. for about four years, Dino Gordio, and uh, uh, he was, so we had great assistance, and the school, you know, they decided, they said, hey, after we started winning for a couple of years, they said, hey, we're going to use basketball to help sell our school, tell what a great academic school, it's a Jesuit priest, you know, like Boston College or Georgetown, great academicians, and uh, we're going we're to use basketball, so they, they you know, uh, supported us, which was great, and uh we were able to get kids in, you know, that you know, marginal students, but as long as they want to get a good education and they were good people, they took a chance. We had a, a great academic advisor, a lady named Sister Roseanne Fleming, who looked after the young men academically, and she talked to the professors and helped them, you know, work with the younger men. So, uh, you know, we were fortunate, and uh, we, we had, 
a couple of lottery picks, Tyrone Hill, who lived right there in Cincinnati. He was a lottery pick in 1990. He was, uh, I think, the 10th pick of Golden State. Another guy, Brian Grant, uh, was a lottery pick. He's from Georgetown, Ohio, about 30 minutes outside of Cincinnati. He was Both these guys are 6'9", and kind of sleepers. Huh. And he was a lottery pick for Sacramento, the eighth pick in uh, 1994, I believe. Uh, and, you know, we had some other guys that played pro ball, Aaron Williams, and uh, Derek Strong, but he played pro ball. They were 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, so we had great talent, Wayne, and great assistants, and uh, the school worked with them academically. And um, so we were fortunate. We had a good run, and we went to the NCAA tournament six years in a row. And uh, well, us doing that was one of the few coaches in history that did that, mm. you know, six years, six straight. You know, and then, since then, there was a guy named Jody Gardner at West Virginia did it many years ago. It was only one or two three guys that ever did that. Now it's gone more and more prevalent. Bo Ryan has done it. And, you know, people like that, Wisconsin mm. and other people, but so we're fortunate and, uh, you know, good players make good coaches. So we had good talent and the school, as I said, they use basketball to promote the school to say, Hey, we got a great university and a wonderful city. I mean, Cincinnati's a great place to live. It's a well-kept secret. You know, it's, it's like a big, small town as a nice city sees of a city, but it's not too gigantic. You know, you don't get lost in the shuffle it's nice as you know good diversity has good restaurants and good theater and uh, pro team the reds you know since i read sure, the reds yeah uh, a, a great you know team they've been down the last 10 15 years but it's a great baseball town and uh you know they uh you know football the Bengals, are you know they struggle but they love football there so uh and uh that's a minor league uh you know basketball they have, you know so so it was a great place to live and and i was there nine years and we were we're fortunate. We won 202 games, uh, so we, we, we're fortunate to have a, a good run uh, at Xavier in Cincinnati. We're talking. Uh, we're taking a walk down memory lane today with CBS College basketball analyst Pete Gillen, also a member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame and uh, one of the finest coaches in collegiate basketball history. Now, also, uh, while you're at, at Xavier, you held the the all-time wins record for a head coach in a, until I believe it was broken in 2018 or 2016, right? right? Yep, yep, 2018, I believe. Uh, Chris Mack, one of my Chris former Mack. players. One of your players, yeah. yeah. He, he played for me. He he went to Evansville for two years. He was in the league. Uh, they had a fine program back then. Uh, Jim Cruz was the head coach who played for Bobby Knight. And uh, after two years, he left and came to Xavier, sat out a year and played two years for me. And uh, uh, he did a great job. I was saying, hey, Chris, you're going to – you know, why did you, you, he's in Louisville now. Why didn't you go to Louisville a year or two earlier? <laughs> Would have still been intact. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but he did a great <laughs> job there, and they, now he's the all-time. He surpassed my, which, you know, records are made to be broken, and, and you know, uh, you don't want it to be broken, but if it has to be, it's great by one of your former players. One of your you know, former somebody players. From the, the Xavier family. Wow, yeah, exactly. And it's very nice of you to say that, Coach. So you, you move from Xavier, you go to... Providence College, the Friars, and probably the most memorable, I think, year was in 97. You had your run to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. You go and you you upset Marquette, you upset Duke, and I believe you beat Chattanooga. Correct. And then you lost to the eventual NCAA champion, Arizona, but you, you lost to them in overtime. Correct. Not that I remember. It was 85-85, the score. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, the game, I mean, we were playing them and they, they had an unbelievable team. I mean, you know, they, uh, you know, had great players, mm. uh, you know, they had, you know, great talent, 
on the team. Mike Bibby was a, you know, who Henry Bibby was a great player at yeah. UCLA. Many of Mike Bibby's son was there, you know, and uh, they had a bunch of other star players, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that went on to the pros, three or four guys that went on to the pro, but Mike Bibby was, was their star. And, uh, um, you know, so uh, we're playing them and, and halftime was close, you know, we're down a couple and then uh, second half they're up 10. And then last five minutes, he started throwing alley-oops, you know, we steal the ball, we steal, we hit threes, boom, boom. We're hanging in there now. Uh, we, we tie the score. And now they get the ball with about 35 seconds left. They bring it. We steal it. God sham God. It was our point guard. A young man named God sham God. He had, you know, he stole it, dribbled in his whole life. He's from New York City, from, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Harlem. And he's great at attacking the basket, driving to the basket. But he, he dribbled in and he had four fouls. And Mike Bibby standing in front of him. So instead of going all the way to the basket, maybe getting his fifth foul on a charge, he took a 10-foot jump shot, missed it. Ball goes out of bounds. Our ball. So there's 3.9 seconds to go. Tie score. All right. I didn't have any timeouts left. I kind of squandered my timeouts throughout my career. You know, so no timeouts left. I was I was famous for that. Everybody killed me for that in every place. Right. So Lute Olson, the great coach, Lute Olson, yeah. called timeout. So we have five guys come to the bench. 3.9 seconds to go now. We got the ball underneath our own basket. And everybody said, you're the man, you're the man. We got all the girls in Rhode Island. We can have parties. We can have <laughs> Calm down, calm down. No, you're the man. We're going to have a date. We're going to go crazy. I said, calm down. So it took me a minute to calm him down. And the NCAA tournament, it was a CBS game. You know, they have two-minute two, two timeouts. So thank God we had more. So I called the play. And I said, all right, boop. We called the play. And I said to Corey Wright, our point guard. Now, if you get at the top of the key, penetrate and kick, 3.9 seconds to go. You know, you can run around the building three times before you have to shoot it. Don't worry. So they throw it out. Sure enough, Corey Wright, my little guy, we got him out of a pothole in New York City. Like <laughs> He's a junior college player, you know, and uh, we got him out of a pothole. And uh, instead of penetrating, kicking it to one of the guys on the wing, right, he shoots it. And the ball hits the back of the rim and kicks up. It's still embedded into the Birmingham Alameda Coliseum. It was a brick, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's still up there. You can see it if you ever go down to <laughs> Birmingham. But, but it's a brick. So he missed it. Over time, we got, you know, we had Austin Crozier. We had another lottery pick on our team that, that uh, I didn't recruit, but I inherited from Rick Barnes, who's a great coach now. Mm. He's at Tennessee. Tennessee. He was at Xavier before me. So I, I coached Austin Crozier, a rather lottery pick, uh, for three years. He, he was a sophomore, a rising sophomore when I took over, and he was going to transfer. But luckily we had a guy named Louis Orr, who you might remember the name. Oh, yeah. Know, who played at Syracuse, the Louis and Bowie show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Sam he, Bowie. He was my assistant, right, St. Louis. Lewis, he was a great player and played for the Knicks for a while. You know, backup in the pros, but he's mm-hmm. a great college player. He was there, uh, yeah. Yep, yeah. and he, he helped us keep Austin Crozier. So he, Austin had fouled out. So, um, so you know, we lose by four in overtime in Arizona, who went on to win the national title. I don't think we could have won the national title, Wayne, but I think we could have beaten Carolina the next game, North Carolina. It was good, but not a great Carolina. But we couldn't have beat Kentucky. Uh, it was Rick Pitino's, you know, Kentucky team that Arizona beat, I think, in overtime. But, uh, mm. you know, we, we, it's a fine line. So I only think about that game and having a bad out-of-bounds for every eight days. You know, I get flashes. <laughs> other, other than that, I'm not doing too bad. What, how difficult is it for a, a coach in in your major league crunch time, just like the you just took us through that last play, how difficult is it for the coach to number one keep his composure, to keep his discipline, and keep his or her focus in that? Because uh, you know there's some great uh, women collegiate coaches as well. How difficult is that for a coach? Very difficult. You have to, you know, that's why I was fortunate to to coach as an assistant 
for 10 years. And especially with Rolly Massimino, we played big time games at Villanova. You know, we, we played Notre Dame, we played Michigan, we, you know, we played great, great teams. Um, you know, and, you know, the Philadelphia big five was a lot of pressure. So seeing that and then at Notre Dame, we played, you know, even, you know, bigger games that we, you know, we played at UCLA with that, Saturday Sunday game was big way back many years ago. The Notre Dame UCLA game, you know, we played twice a year, you know, and we played all over the country. We played Michigan. We played, you know, all, all over. You know, we played the East against St. John's. We played Ohio State. You know, so being assistant, you see how the bosses handle the pressure, Digger and Rowley, et cetera. So that helps you. But you just got to be in the moment, you know, and you just, just got to say, hey, it's, it's a game. But, but you know, you got 18, 19-year-old young men run up and down the court with their paycheck in your pocket. So that's not, that's pressure. You got to win. You don't yeah. win. You, you know, you're at a bus stop, bum and change. There's nothing wrong with that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't want to do that. So, um, so it is, but you just gotta, you know, Hey, just give it your best and, and whatever happens happens. And, uh, but I think being assistant for 10 years, that helped me try to keep my composure, you know, and you got to remember these are young men. They're somebody's sons, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, they're not machines. They're not professionals. So they're going to mess up. So uh, I, we just told him, hey, just do it your best, give it your best shot, play hard, play together, and whatever happens, you live with it. That was it. But uh, yeah, I, I think that helped me a lot being uh, an assistant, you know, for big time coaches in pressure situations to, to deal with it a little better. From from Providence College, you go on to Virginia. Um, you you get it. I believe you had a ten year contract at the time, right? Which is not initially. Uh, no. Not initially. Uh, I got it. Um, after we went to the NCAA tournament. We only that's right. Once you got an extension. Virginia. That's right. We went to the NIT four times. We went to the NCAA once. So after my first NCAA tournament experience, experience, uh, they gave me a 10-year contract, you know. Oh. And, uh, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it was fun. We just, unfortunately, you know, I, I, I left there after seven years. We didn't win quite enough. You know, we, not enough NCAA bids, you know, rather than NIT bids. And uh, uh, But it was, it was a great experience. We 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 had great players at, at Virginia, but not honestly the talent that we had at Xavier and at Providence because those two schools, Xavier Providence, we can get in young men that at Virginia, you know, academically weren't quite you know strong enough to get in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can get in a junior college, but I love my time at Virginia. It's a wonderful school. Uh, my son went there, got out uh, 2006, got a wonderful education, and uh, you know, and I get a great coach now, Tony Bennett, done an unbelievable job there. So. Uh, but it was a, a great experience, and uh, you know we had a winning record, but just you know not enough NCA bids. And when they're paying you a decent amount now, I'm making uh, nothing compared to these guys. I mean, uh, sure. you know these guys uh, make it today four or five times weighing what I made. Right. As, uh, head right. coach. You know I mean, I, I uh, these guys are unbelievable. So, but uh, I enjoyed my time there, and uh, it was a great experience. So I was 30 years as Division One coach. A lot of pressure. So we, we when we meet and have a cup of coffee. You see me hitching and twitching, my arms, you know, <laughs> flipping, my, my head's bobbing a little bit. You, you never lose that, right, Coach? Uh, the stress, the <laughs> little stress. I'm still uh, bleeding from the eyes and foaming on occasion. From 30 years is a lot of pressure, but I, I love doing it and I, I miss it. I wish I could still do it, but it's for the young people now, you know, not for a uh, beat up old coach. Well, you were certainly uh, very, very good at it, and your your record speaks for itself. You and I were having a conversation one day, and and you, one of the greatest phrases I, I've ever think I've ever think I've heard being associated with recruiting a young player, and and you had said that when you went to and sat down in a parent's 
home or a single mom or a dad, whatever it is, and you, you said, we recruit your son, we're going to recruit your son for 40 years, not for four. That to me was, was, was one of the most fabulous, fabulous quotes I've, I've ever heard because it, it, it says that, you know, your kid is going to be part of our family even after he graduates, even after all the wins and losses and so forth. What did, what did Pete Gillen look for in a kid when you went to recruit him or you saw him play, what, what did you look for, Coach? Well, as a player, first of all, we looked for somebody, <clears throat> an athlete, somebody who could move and run and, and athleticism. John Wooden, a great coach at UCLA, always wanted quickness, you know, quickness over everything. So as an athlete, we want somebody that can move his feet, you know, is, is a good athlete. And we wanted character, too. Right? We wanted somebody, you know, that respected his parents or his guardian, you know what I mean, who was a, a good teammate. We wanted character, and, and the character counts, as you know. So those are the things in a nutshell. We want a good athlete who played hard, you know, was a good teammate, you know, that, that respected his coach, respected his teammates, and uh, who had character and, and wanted to get an education, you know. That, that's important. Uh, so uh, that's, that's what we look for, you know. And, and uh, you know, one time we had a young man come in to visit at Xavier. I won't mention his name, but uh, after my fourth or fifth year, I was there at Xavier nine years. And at, at, when a young man visits, you're allowed as a coach to give the host who's showing the young man around $15 a day for entertainment, you know, to mm-hmm. give him some money to, to uh, you know, take him to a movie or take him, you know, go out and, you know, have dinner somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, the young man who was a very good player and uh, our host came in the next day and he said, coach, I don't know if this guy fits. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, when we went out, when we were by ourselves, the, the recruit wanted, he says, I know you got $15. To show me around, I want the money right now. Give me the cash. The guy says, "No, he's like, this is for me, not to spend it on both of us to get a bite to eat, to maybe you know do something, go out, you know, and uh, go to dinner." No, no, he says, "I want the cash." So that young man, you know, when we found out about, it, we finished the weekend. We didn't make a thing, and we just, you know, told him at the end, "Hey, this is not a fit." You know, we think, you know, you, you should go someplace else. It's not a fit. We didn't make a big scene or whatever. But, you know, somebody like that, you know, that wanted money. If he wants money on a recruit, then he'll want money mm-hmm. as a player, you know, when sure. he gets there. So and that's where you get yourself into problems, yeah. Right. And that didn't happen very often. But that was one experience of our players said, the coach, he's not going to fit in here. He says, you're right. We don't want him. And he was a good player. He went on to some other Division One school. I forget where. But, um, yeah, we wanted character and we want an athlete. And, an example of what we say by the next 40 years, we had a, one of our players, he's assistant coach now in the Mid-American Conference, I won't mention where, but his daughter had some type of ailment and they were a fundraiser, you know, uh, for, for try to help fight this disease that she had. It wasn't life-threatening, but it was something that was significant. And uh, he called me up and I said, sure. So we, we sent him X amount of money, a big check, you know what I mean, for to help that cause. And uh, another one of my players, the first guy I recruited at VMI, uh, named John Good. Well, he, his son had a, his son's wife had a baby about a month, two months ago. You know, we found out, so my wife bought a little present, you know, for the baby, you know, some, uh, you know, some baby clothes, whatever, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. not too much money, whatever. Mm-hmm. We sent it out to my recruits, you know, uh, son. So his, so the little, the little boy got some little gifts, you know, nine, nine, ten months old, you know, baby nice. clothes, you know. So just things like Very that. Very nice. We, you know, just, that's what we mean by family, you know what I mean? And, and. The back of our shorts at Xavier wasn't my idea. It was my uh, trainer's idea. He was called the healer. His name was the healer. He healed everything. You know, he, was, he was the healer. <laughs> I don't know if it was, but he healed people. I don't know how he did it, but he healed them. And he, he, uh, 
he uh, had to he said, put the word family on the back of your shorts. So in the back of our practice shorts, we had big letter family. So uh, we think that, you know, I know it's important to you. We talk about it you yeah. know, every time we meet family sure. <clears throat> that, uh, you know, you know, and I think it applies to everybody. If you're from a good family, you know, and, and uh, you know, a solid family, you want to continue that. If unfortunately your family has problems, you know, it's, it's dysfunctional for whatever reason, you want to be part of a family. So, uh, that's that's important to us, and and we meant that when we recruited our players. We said, hey, you know, we're gonna you'll be here for four years, but it's gonna be we're gonna try try to take care of you for the next forty years as best we can. We mm-hmm. can't promise you a rose garden, but we're gonna try to help you, you know, for the next forty years. So those are a couple of brief examples that we try to do in a small way to to help out. Sure, sure. I mean, and actually, love those. Uh, we're, we're talking with a former collegiate coach. Pete Gillen, also a member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame and currently uh, college hoop analyst for CBS. Coach, I want to ask you the three three people that I think really uh, define when you think about college basketball those names, and I just just say a little brief thing uh, about each and your impression or your opinion on um, on them. And my, I'm going to start off first with Mike Chashevsky. Yeah, uh, Coach K. They call him. Yeah, he's, he's a great coach. He was a <clears throat> high school coach uh, uh he's from chicago he uh, was a, a player in i don't know if he's a high school coach but he, he played high school ball in chicago <clears throat> then went uh went on to play at west point and uh <clears throat> coach at west point for a number of years and then then went to duke and he's had an unbelievable career more wins than any other uh college division one coach um but he's a religious guy he certainly respects the military you know being uh, a veteran um, you know, from from West Point, you mm-hmm. know, from Army, uh, but he was a great coach and a religious guy. You know, really, uh, religion is important to him. Uh, he takes care of his players, so he's done an unbelievable job. You know, and uh, you know, he's a great competitor. I used to tease him. I said, well, when we played them, uh, uh, you know, I said, hey, it's like the it's a New York City Catholic League against Chicago Catholic High School. But, you know, the player, <laughs> we, we had fun. <laughs> a, a little story when, when he. Uh, got into the Naismith Hall of Fame, which is the big one. You know, mm-hmm. that's the Naismith founded games. Naismith founded basketball, as you know, many mm-hmm. years ago. Springfield, and Massachusetts. And you get into Naismith Hall of Fame, right, Massachusetts, right, right here in our state where we are now. That <clears throat> uh, um, when he got inducted, all right, the same day they sent me a small plaque. They said, Coach K, you beat him. You know, he beat you so many times. You're a big part of his induction into this Hall of Fame. We want you to share in this special moment. Enjoy this trophy. He wants you to have one because you helped him get in because he beat you so much. Yeah, that's Thank great. Thank you very much, Coach K. But no, that's we, great. we beat him a couple of times. We beat him three times, but he, he beat me quite a bit. Uh, he, he had great players, and he's a great coach. And uh, uh, As you mentioned, we beat him once at Providence in the NCAA tournament. But, uh, yeah, I helped him get in the Hall of Fame. You know, <laughs> that's great. And I appreciate that uh, plaque, that, that little plaque that they sent me. Very nice, huh? The second guy I'm going to ask you about is, uh, obviously, he's a legend, Bob Knight. Yeah, Bob Knight is another great coach. Uh, you know, uh, he was uh, he coached Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, at West Point. West Point, yeah. Knight, right, he coached him at West Point. And uh, he was a great teacher. You know, he's a tough guy, tough as nails, big man, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, big, strong guy. Uh, but a, a great coach. And uh, I coached against him uh, in the NCAA tournament uh, and. uh 
they told me it was a uh, is a, a, a partial site, a neutral site. It was Indianapolis, Indiana. Now, I'm not <laughs> the smartest geez. knife in the drawer, but he's from Bloomington, Indiana, hey. 45 <laughs> minutes away. I said, wait a second, is that neutral? Hey. You know, we're, I, I we're took geography. Two hours away. Is that neutral? You know, I took geography out. four times in college, so uh, what, what do I know? I mean. What do I know? <laughs> we get in an arena, there's 40,000 people. This, and like 39,300 had red sweaters. Red sweaters. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, red sweatshirts on. And, and they had a couple of... Xavier fans that got lost on a business trip, you know, and they found it was James, they were in blue. And, and we had about three or four, and then a couple of neutral fans from the city, you know, but uh, they beat us by three, and uh, it was a great game. They were number one in the country. And we had a great team, too. We had, you know, Brian Grant, who was a lottery Brian pick. Grant, yeah, Williams, who, sure. Who played the NBA. Aaron played about for 12, 13 years. He played with the, the Nets a couple of times. They got to the finals with, with uh, some great players, and, uh, he, he he was there, so we had a, we had a real good team. They beat us by three, but he was, he was uh, you know tough guy and, and uh, you know intimidating. You know, I was going to say yeah. that was my question. My next question going to be was he it was intimidating to his to his players? I think and to opposing players. How about yeah. for opposing coaches? Was was he intimidating? Well, you know he, he was a, a great presence. He was like you know Mr. Basketball, so he was. But you know I I I try to build up players' confidence. So mm. I, I said you know. I said, hey, before the game, I'll fight the son of a bee. I said, I'll get a bat. I might kick my butt, but I'm not going to back down from him. There you go. Here you and, go. And uh, we played him to the wall. They were number one in the country. A guy named Calvert Chaney. Calvert Chaney, out. sure. Yeah. He's a great college player. Great player. Pros, eight, ten years or solid in the pros. Not great, but a great college player. They, they had a great team. Um, and Damon Bailey, I don't remember that name. Damon yes, Bailey was a legend. Do. He was a, uh, a legend, a high school, you know, superstar. Went to Indiana. And, <clears throat> you know, we... We played them, and it was, it was a close game. And what happened was, you know, we're, we're coming back. We're down a couple, and um, we cut it to, like, three points with a minute to go. And we scored, and the ball hit off somebody's heel and rolled slowly out to the foul line. And at that time, all right, this was uh, – I forget exactly what year. I think it was, like, uh, 19 – oh, let me see, 1990 – maybe 1992 or 93. So say 1992-say. Right, and the ball rolled out. But at that time, Wayne, they did not stop the clock in the last minute of a of a game, you know, a college game. You know, right. the clock kept on running. So Damon Bailey, being a smart guy, just took his time. He made, it took like six or seven seconds for him to walk out to get the ball, which rolled out to the foul line, bring it back underneath out of bounds because we just scored, take it out. You know, and the clock's ticking and ticking. And that was kind of like the the straw that broke the camel's back because they were talking about stopping, you know, what I mean, the clock after in the last minute after every basket, you know. And, uh, and, you know, and they wanted to beat in spice. So they would have won anyway. But, you know, I mean, that helped them to run off, you know, six or seven seconds. Uh, that sure. Way by, uh, but, uh, yeah, but he was intimidating. You know, he – but we weren't – you know, hey, we're playing their other players. So I didn't I didn't back down. I wasn't going to fight him. I mean, he, sure. he put me in a dumpster. He dumped me in <laughs> a big guy. But uh, he, you know, he was intimidating. You know, he was, you know, three national championships and they were always who's who and mm-hmm. he did a lot for the game and uh, he's a great great coach and uh, um they beat us uh, i think in the second round we won the first round we beat university of new orleans then named tim floyd i don't know if you remember that name yeah, I mean, tim floyd sure yeah we beat tim floyd and then we lost the, the coach night but uh, uh you know it was fun going against them and we gave it a good battle but just they were a little bit too talented and you know he's a great coach found the weaknesses. I think they beat us by three points that day. The third and, and final guy I'm going to ask you about uh, is, is synonymous with college basketball, Dick Vitale. What, what, what's oh, your... What's your what's Dick, well, Dick is uh, emotional. I mean, he, he cries when supermarkets open. You know, it's very emotional. Uh, you know, he gets fired up. You know, 
I, cl- I cry when they close. Yeah, yeah me too. He sees Law and Order reruns and start tearing up. He's a, so he's very emotional. But he, he was good to me, you know. Uh, you know, we're not friends, but we're acquaintances. And uh, how was you know, he good he, to you? How was he good to you? Well, he always, you know, what we, when he did games on TV, he always said some nice things. You know what I mean about nice. you know, Coach Gillen, but Wolfe, he worked at Five Star. Which, well, his kids graduate, which we were proud of. Mm-hmm. Wayne, you know, ninety nine percent of the plays that I coached. You know, that stayed for four years, graduated. Phenomenal so, record. And, wow. And, and that's, you know, because our academic advisor, Sister Roseanne Fleming, she did, you know, 95% of that work. You know, we encouraged her. We gave her power. We said, hey, somebody steps out of line, you know, cutting class, you know, too much or doing, you know, let me know. And I'll, you know, I'll sit them down. I'll bring them off the bench. You know, I won't take them on the road, you know, wherever it is. So she always had that hammer hanging over the kid's head. And uh, that helped a little bit. But she was great. She was the big reason our academic rate was so good but uh yeah but but dick was emotional you know with espn and uh our, our guy howie garfinkel like who you know of yep he he discovered him uh, a brief story if i may dick myself was a high school coach in new jersey and howie garfinkel you know went to a dinner once that he was at and, and dick vital spoke and garfinkel was blown away so i can't believe this guy's unbelievable he could do some great things so he called rutgers university division one school in New Jersey, was had an opening. And he called up the guy, Bob Lloyd, was the coach. He said, hey, I got a great guy. You got to interview him. He says, hey, I have five guys now. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I, I've already got my finals. He says, no, you got to interview. So uh, Floyd says, no. Bob, you know, uh, Bob Lloyd said, no. So two or three days later, Goff, he never goes back a second. He says, I'm going to go back a second. He says, Bob, listen, just let him come in. So long story longer, right? <laughs> uh, Dick Vitale goes in there, blows him away, hires him. Right. He brings in great players, but a boom, you know, to Rutgers, mm. you know, and then, then he goes out to the University of Detroit, then Detroit Pistons. And then, you know what I mean? Then to ESPN. But Howie Garfinkel discovered Dick Vitale, you know, but he was a great speaker. I mean, you know, he, he, he ask him what time it is. And it'll tell you how the watch was made. You know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've heard him speak. Very once. But, I've heard him speak. You know, once, love yeah. him. I hate him. I love him because he was good to me. Yeah, I love him, too. Basketball. But, you know, he. You know, something when some people get tired of him, you know, but but he he does something now, uh, for fight versus cancer, the Jimmy V Foundation mm. that you're familiar with. Yes, very you much. Know, so. Every year they have a big gala down in Florida, which I haven't been to, but I heard great things about it. You know, and they raise you know millions of dollars. They honor different people. You know, Coach K is on it, or some you know great celebrities. You know, Stephen Curry or you know, LeBron James. You know, they and honor two or three guys, and they you know they bring people into his house in Florida and. Uh, they raise you know millions of dollars for fighting cancer, doing research for cancer. So he, he does a lot of great things. He was great for college basketball. His enthusiasm. So I like Dick a lot, you know, and and I appreciate what he's done. He's been around a long time. I think he's eighty years old right now. Wayne. Yeah, so he's been around he's, a long time. Fire still burns for for yeah. him. Oh yeah, he's still fired up. I mean, you know, give him a microphone, wake him up four in the morning, I'll give you a speech for about forty minutes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Train stop. You don't stop. He, he just keeps going and going and going and going. Um, one of the first guys that I met when I was at ESPN Radio years ago, and uh, you could you could hear him coming to you, know, you could hear him coming a mile away, you know you, yeah. you'd be you know he was talking yeah. about something and Pat and laughing and uh, yeah. he was just uh, to me I, I echo your sentiments, Coach. He was a he was a good guy. Last question I'm going to ask you here today on a walk down memory lane, folks, and we're we're chatting uh, with CBS college basketball analyst Pete Gillen, one of the finest coaches in collegiate hoop history, also a member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame. You had a chance to be an assistant under Don Nelson for the U.S. national team in 1994. 
you're representing the country, you win a gold medal. What's that feeling like for you? Well, it's unbelievable. It's, it's a tremendous honor, you know, to represent your country, you know, and I was just an assistant. Uh, Don Nelson was the head coach, you know, who had great success at Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors, and now mm-hmm. he's retired, living in Hawaii. <clears throat> but, uh, and uh, Don Chaney, who played uh, in the NBA for a long time, he was the top assistant, and Rick Majera, sadly, we lost him a few years yes. ago. Yes. He's a great coach. Great at, coach. At Marquette, Marquette. Great coach at University of Utah, and uh, great coach. He, he was a top assistant, you know, and I was the, the last guy, but I was a you know full-time assistant. It was a great honor to be part of your country and, you know, to uh, wear the, the colors of the, the USA. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we went to Toronto and won the, the gold medal. And, uh, you know, we had great players. Shaquille O'Neal was on the team. And, uh, you know, he was a great, great player. Uh, Reggie Miller, Another great player, another Mark great player. Price was a great guard. Kevin Johnson was another great guard, and um, you know uh, Alonzo Mourning. Loaded, you know, Alonzo Mourning. So we see practice. You see Shaquille O'Neal banging heads with Alonzo Mourning, like two dinosaurs. Mm. Tyrannosaurus Rex, <laughs> bang! I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. You know, a guy named Sean Kemp was a great you know player there, and uh, so it was uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, Dan Morley and uh, was a great shooter from the Suns. He was on the team, and, uh, so it was, it was a great honor to be part of that. And uh, uh, I was also assistant with uh, PJ Calissimo for the World University Games back in 1991. It was, you know, when we went over to Sheffield, England, and won a gold. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's it's great to be part of uh, USA basketball, and uh, it was fun. And um, as you might know, I, I went to visit. Uh, the troops in Afghanistan yes way you... back in 2009 and I know you've been over there a lot to visit the troops and uh, mm-hmm. you love that you do an unbelievable job for them and uh, that was a great honor going over there and uh, you know thanking them we were in Kandahar and Bagram Air Force Base and uh, Kabul we went to the uh, Kabul so it was a great experience and then in 2016 went to Kuwait and went to Camp Arafjan and visited the troops there and, mm-hmm. and we went over there and we brought t-shirts and hats from our colleges you know etc and uh, you know, and some video games and stuff that we brought over, and we try to make them feel good. But all the ex-coaches, some were present coaches, but still coaching, but a lot of ex-coaches like myself, and they made us feel good to see the young men and women over there. You know, they're saying, "Hey, I, I'm not getting into politics of this. I want to do something, but somebody other than myself. I want to help my fellow man. I feel bad for these poor people in Afghanistan, and you know, and uh, so it was a great honor to go over there to visit our troops and. Uh, it made us feel good. They it, made us feel great. Hopefully, we helped them. But uh, it's a uh, it's a different kind of high, isn't it, Coach? When you're over there, and yep. you have you know you're given stuff. Uh, I perform. Uh, yep. It's just a to me. It's the best audience in the world because they're so appreciative. They're attentive. You don't have any hecklers. Um, yep. you, you go and visit them. Um, you know, you've gone into the to the wards. You know, you've gone into the hospitals, and yep. it, it, it's just a feeling that in, unless you do it, someone like yourself, Pete Gillen, or someone like myself, you you don't, you'll never know what that feeling is. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, we saw one little girl in a hospital in um, Afghanistan, and she, her home was blown up by a wife sulfuric missile blew up her, her home mm. and a, a couple of her siblings was killed. She was burned like 45% of her body anymore. She would die you know, almost. Mm. And she couldn't speak English. And you see the, the nurses, one nurse there we got to meet, she was from Las Vegas and she had three 
children of her own and she's you know rocking the girl holding on to her and the girl couldn't speak english and uh the girl didn't say a word but then you know later in the week after about six seven days she started talking they're trying to learn english a couple words and you know just the the, the doctors and nurses over there you know looking after you know the, the wounded soldiers and the wounded people you know uh, are just unbelievable so uh, you know you can't say enough about the military i know i'm speaking to the choir with you wayne but uh you know there's somebody in a, in a boat somewhere in a plane somewhere letting us have coffee like we did recently you know what I mean? right. somebody's protecting us to or to go out to dinner with a family or, or to play ball so you can't say enough about the the soldiers, the men and women that serve our country and, and protect us. Well said. My final question to you, how does Pete Gillen want to be remembered? Uh, good question. I, I, I just somebody who gave it his best. Whatever he did, I gave it the best I could do as a coach, you know, as a former player. I didn't have much talent, but I, I try to use every bit of ability I had. Just he gave it his best shot and, and, and try to have some fun in life. You know, I try to, you know, we're together, have a little fun laugh at myself a little bit, you know, try to laugh at situations, you know, not at people, but at myself, or, you know, of course. different situation, because that helps me get through with stress. So I, I'd say to answer your question, he gave it his best shot, whatever he did, and he tried to have some fun along the way. Well, I happen to know on a personal basis, you are one of the most kindest, generous, you do things that people don't know about. Uh, you are one of the most humblest people, if, if, if I can use that as a word, uh, that I've ever been around. And it's always uh, a pleasure Whenever I'm in your company, uh, you just make people feel so good. And, and, that, and that is a gift, my friend. So I want to thank, well, thank you very, you. very, very much for, for being a, a great mentor, you know, in my life. Well, great being with you. Thank you for your kind words. And uh, once again, uh, as he said, try to give back. You know what I mean? People have helped you to get where you are today and helped me in my former coaching time and my, you know, my business time. So you try to give back and help other people along the way. And uh I've been blessed, and you've been blessed, and, and hopefully we can continue doing some decent things uh, as we go forward. Well, just as a token of uh, our appreciation here today in a walk down memory lane, we have a $500 gift certificate to you, Coach Pete Gillen, to the Nimrod Restaurant in Falmouth, and we certainly hope that you, um, you, we hope you enjoy that. Well, thank you very much, Wayne. Thank you. Well, thank you. We're not a business 10 years ago, but I it's know, a I thought that counts. <laughs> I didn't want to say nothing. I, 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 thought, I was waiting. I know, but out of business, I didn't know that. Honestly, I said, holy sugar. I said, I said, hope Wayne knows. I didn't want to say because, you know, I don't want to no, pull the rug. Coffee and, dinner, coffee and dinner on me the next time I see you, Coach. And, no, and no, I'm buying Really, buying. really. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time. My guest today in a walk down memory lane, brought to you by our friends at Kamali Electric, has been CBS basketball analyst Pete Gillen, former collegiate coach and member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame. Coach, thanks again. We wish you the best. All the best to you, Ginny, and the kids, and stay healthy. Thanks, Wayne. Great being with you. Thanks for having me on. And you take care.